0: <sighs> Are you feeling okay? I'm ready. Are you sure you don't need some ice or something?
1: No, this is hot takes. I don't need ice. Oh, see what you did there. Yeah, you did.
0: Oh, welcome back, everybody.
1: It's hunting. Happy. Wait for it.
0: Hunting. <laughs> Dom. It's Wednesday. It's Hopefully, Wednesday. it's a little more pretty out on this Wednesday. This fine Wednesday to be alive compared yes. to yes. this Tuesday that we're recording on. Yes, where it's very dark and gloomy. Yes. But overall, how are you doing right now?
1: I'm doing good. You know why?
0: Well, first off, I'm a little surprised you said that, considering what just happened to you about ten seconds before we started recording.
1: I'd rather not discuss.
0: Okay. Well, since you just want me to talk about it so bad, this is a family show. Oh. Uh,
1: oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, I. Mean,
0: Dom might have
1: had an accident <laughs> in the <in laughs> studio with some pain. He said an accident. Jumped up in pain. He
0: got very excited to record. And he I, sat. He sat down without protecting his. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They know his little doms. So you know, one of them wasn't ready for him to sit down. <laughs> wasn't fast enough. Wait. Dom sits right down on him. <laughs> Jumped up out of the chair and left the studio. But I'm back in the studio. Oh, you're back. And you're back in the studio. Oh, that's right, yeah. So we're together. I wasn't here Monday. Apologies to everybody. My sister turned 21 uh, a little less than a week ago.
1: Macy, if you're listening, this is Dom. Right. Happy belated birthday.
0: No, see, she. I bet she. See, I bet she's very thankful for that. Yeah, of course. Now, because of that, I went home for the weekend... Um, had a really good time getting to catch up with all my family, but ultimately Sunday was the day I went to get dinner with my dad, and we just couldn't really make the times match up, so Dom rode solo, but he did a great job, pretty oh. usual. Thank you, thank you. So, but it's good to be back, because, you know, I can't have you be replacing me anytime soon. Right, I mean. I need this anchor money. Look, <laughs>
1: just look, look, we're not the below average Joe, we're the below average Joe's. <laughs> <laughs> just And you're the s-, s yes, I'm the s put us together. I don't know where I'm going with this.
0: <laughs> so today's episode. Yeah. It's Wednesday, so you know what that means. It's uh a little extra special. <laughs> this is one that we we've had we've went you know, we we did the little fire and ice thing at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. We've been hot and cold on this episode for a while now. It's been quite a roller coaster ride with this episode. Yeah. I first pitched it, I believe. Yeah. And I wasn't ready. And you were like, I don't know, like could we really do it? But then we found that even though we talked about MMA so much before we started doing this podcast, and that was kind of the well the the reason we started it in the first place, I found now that well obviously in the past, before we started recording ourselves, we couldn't just go back and see what we said right in those conversations. So I've went back and watched some episodes and I'm like Damn, like I really said that. I really said Paulo Costa was going to knock out Israel Adesanya. So, yeah. you know... We, to name a few. We all have some hot takes. And I think we've grown on this episode quite a bit over time. Yeah. To the point where now I'm very excited for this. It's time. And ultimately, what I love most about this is... I don't have to sit here and tell you guys... Oh, we're going to be doing a top ten list. Or a top five list. Or a cumulative list. Or whatever... We're just gonna shoot the shit.
1: Yeah, that's it's
0: gonna be literally the most like one of our conversations before we started doing
1: this podcast. Yeah. yeah, I think so. So I wanna hear You just want me to rattle off one to get get it going oh, yeah. right here. Just a big one. Oh god. Start starting off with the boom. I'm gonna actually go with the one that I know we for sure both have on our list. I, I know which one this is gonna be, but it, it is the biggest one I think. Fights. Specifically UFC, just because we've had a lot more of them in 2020. But in general, fights are better, wait for it, without fans. <sighs> Welcome to the MMA Hot Takes episode of the Blue Ever Assembly. This Podcast. is a
0: shared opinion. Yes. Because I, I remember, I think we were watching the Fight Island pay-per-view at your house, 251. And I went, and we kind of looked at each other, because I think... Uh, one of our buddies that was watching with yeah. us, shout out to them, Yeah, said something like, oh, I can't wait till they have fans back. And we kind of looked at each other and was like, kind of like it better. With yeah. that. I was like, yeah. damn, I was like, Dom agrees? I was like, I thought I would have been the only person to say that. You
1: know, when you have that, you know, that across the room eye contact with somebody, yeah. that's what we had. But yeah. it was about the fights. <laughs> I was
0: Jim, or no, you were Jim, I was the camera.
1: Right, yes, precisely.
0: <laughs> yeah, but tell the people why this is... Uh, first, why it's a hot take. I think that's important, why it's a hot take. But also why, in our eyes, it's a opinion we have.
1: Well, and also, just because it's a hot take and we think that's what, you know, or not that we think, but this is what we like better, it's not that we don't like fights with fans. We love fights with fans. Some fights with fans are just absolutely incredible. But the overall atmosphere and just the feeling, it makes the fight feel a lot more special. Like, as if it's not already just two people locked inside of a cage with 20,000 people watching, now it's two people locked inside of a cage with 100 people in the entire building. And the fact that you can hear every breath, every shot hit. There's a brutal video I was about to say that, um, about Justin Gaethje and Tony Ferguson from 249. If you haven't seen that clip going around right now, go listen to it. That clip
0: changed my entire perspective of watching fights, actually. Yeah.
1: Not only does it show how hard Justin Gaethje can hit, and how Tony can take him, by the way, but you hear everything. The cameras pick up every single shot. Um... You can hear them talk trash to one another, which I think is really cool. We've seen that a few times. Not that you can't hear them talk trash when there's people, but it's just so much more... As a fan, you just feel more like related, like like you're just in there. I don't know. Um, You just feel like you're there for some reason watching through the TV. Uh, And of course, we've been to a live UFC event. We both agree it's the best sporting event we've ever been to in our life. Yeah. It's an amazing experience, amazing atmosphere But as a spectator Watching at home from, the, from my couch Or whatever On TV There's something really special About these fights without fans there
0: I complete, obviously I completely agree <laughs> I think an added thing for me Is I'm kind of spiteful Against this fickle fan base That MMA has This is not just MMA This is all sports But Whenever there's a bad fight going on, I get it. I called Yoel Romero and Israel Adesanya's fight a shit sandwich, basically. Yes, you did. I can say that, but if I was watching it, I would still be respectful of the athletes competing in the octagon. Now, I know when you have alcohol involved and, you know, some people just... I get it, you're going to react a certain way, but I hate... Mostly, it's there's certain fights that aren't even bad, and the fans will be like booing. Yeah. A lot of times, it's certain places too. Like I don't know, I don't know specifically off the top of my head, but there's been a few places the UFC will go pretty regularly for their fight nights or pay per views, whatever. And they the the fan base boos when, just when there's some grappling, and I'm like,
1: that's when even, we see it a lot. Yeah, and i like, and
0: I hate that because yeah. it is a part of the sport. If you don't like it, go watch. You have boxing, you have kickboxing. You got bare knuckle FC. I don't even think they're allowed to go to the ground there. Yeah. Go watch one of those. Like, if you really love MMA, then love all aspects exactly. of it. Exactly, yeah. And sure, grappling exchanges can get very boring. They can get very repetitive if they're just a guy laying on another. But if you really understand, I don't even want to say, like, really understand. Like, me and you, I mean, we don't understand every little detail of, Transitions in the ground game or in the
1: clinch, but we appreciate. But we appreciate, it. It and we know like the skill that we're being presented yeah, with. Exactly,
0: we may not know exactly what the term is for what's happening, but we know that it's a transition. We know that they're working for that underhook or whatever. Yeah, the it better might be.
1: positioning to set them up for the fight. And I just
0: hate that like the ca- the casual fan just doesn't seem to understand that. And look, it'll never get to a point where the UFC is just. Holding events without fans, friendly—that's not going to be right. It's not realistic. But I will say, I'm surprised by how much I've enjoyed it. It's the only sport that I feel like has been, I guess, better in my eyes without fans than with them.
1: Yeah, I mean, now that we're seeing, we had the NBA do their bubble in Orlando, NFL was back, college football, um, their stadiums there without fans. It's still unique, and I think kind of neat to see them play with an empty stadium. We're talking 70,000 seat stadiums, you know, or Ohio State, for example, is going to only have like 1,600 people there and it seats 100 and some thousand. But uh, it doesn't feel the way these fights have felt without fans. Yeah,
0: and I will say that there's a caveat to me putting that on there where certain really big title fights, like watching, um, I'm trying to think of a fight that we've seen that was – Dustin Poirier versus Dan Hooker. Yeah, brutal fight. If you had fans for that one. Would have been insane. Or even Stipe versus DC3, yeah, which I still stand by as being the biggest title fight in
1: UFC history. Or even Gaethje Ferguson that we've already talked Gaethje about. Gaethje
0: Ferguson, that was brutal. Uh, obviously, Habib and Gaethje is going to be odd not having the fans. Yeah. If Connor and Poirier fight in January with... Maybe the UFC tries to do, like, that the limited... Might be their first try. They might try to do limited capacity. Dana said he's not too big on it, but if they did do even limited capacity, it's going to be weird not yeah. hearing the... For like oh, a yeah. way, way, exactly. You know, it's just... It'll be weird. I'll say at times it, it's, it's better with fans for those real big fights, but um, ultimately we watch for all the fights. It's yeah. not just the main event for yeah. us, so the give and take, it's more... I think the, without fans, it's given us more than it's taken.
1: Even like the um, Tuesday Night Contender Series, like they usually had their families and stuff, so, and that's a small building. Well, haven't they been... So even worked? with 500 people there, it looks really crowded, but yeah. now they're not even having people yeah. at Contender Series, and these are guys that aren't even in the UFC, and right. it's just, I don't know. It makes the fight just feels that much more special, and it's like you're literally seeing one guy... Or one girl, fight another guy or girl, and there you go. It's you two locked in a cage and no one's watching. Except for millions of yes. people on TV. But you <laughs> yeah, get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. It's unique. And we <laughs> won't get it for long. So if you're a fan of it, appreciate it Why we have it. Because I think
0: I'm really, these are going to be the this time period from, I guess, April was when uh, 249 happened. They,
1: they, May. Say, May. May okay. 6th or something.
0: So this time period from May till whenever they start doing more and more fans, um, that time period, you know, the Fight Island, everything like that, I think it's gonna be one of the time periods I look back on the fondest for mm-hmm. MMA, which is as weird as that is. Um, obviously, it's been a pretty poor year, yeah, just for humanity. But it's at the same time for the thing that we seem to enjoy the most. It's been the one that it's been the one thing that I feel like has not been lessened by this virus yeah so it's truly our escapism at this point yes if anything in a way corona could have been uh, subconsciously a, a, a what i just said right there could have been a factor in driving us to do this podcast in the first place yeah sure we've been diehard fans for years
1: five, at this point five
0: years at this point but we've been talking about doing a podcast for at least a year and a half yeah What was the thing that kind of drove us to just officially say, do it? Well, you have a pandemic going on. We've been quarantined for months. First sport back that we watch is MMA with the UFC. So, if anything, it it was better. It was a better product. Yeah. You know, when I watch baseball, I'm like, uh, it's not the same. When I watch basketball, I'm like, uh, it's not the same. not saying they're bad, especially, like, the NBA bubble. Like, I thought it was cool. Yeah. NFL, college football, it's like it's not the same But with MMA it didn't feel that way so it's like truly my escapism from this madness going on in the world
1: can I say that that kind of leads me into another bullet point on my list yeah. I mean that was the one that we shared so you might as well go ahead 2020, what a year right, a year unlike any other and probably, hopefully <laughs> we never have to deal with anything like it again but with all the shit that happened this year, you know, and sports being literally gone for months, months, I don't know why I just added it I don't know yeah. what just happened there. This was a dub for the UFC. Now, I've kind of talked to you about this one before, and I just kind of want to shine some more light on it. Now, don't get me wrong, before I get into this, the UFC just like, any business or organization this year has dealt with its fair share of hardships. I mean, the UFC puts on events with 20,000 plus people at every event, especially the pay-per-views. And a live gate produces a lot of revenue for the company. And of course, the venues that they um, you know, go to to put these fights on. But if you take away that, and I believe Dane even said this Earlier on in the year, back when they started getting fights going again, I think it's around 110 million uh, that they would lose out on this year in live gate. Which you're probably like, "Oh, 110 million? That's a lot of money." Right. Yeah, that is a lot of money. But when you're a company worth over four billion, you're willing to bite the bullet to um, exceed or further other areas of your company. And I think that's what we've seen this year with the UFC. Fight Island is point-blank number one. Right. If it wasn't for 2020, we'd never see Fight Island, which is one of the most unique things that has ever happened in any sport ever, all sports. We've never seen anything like this. And, again, it plays into that international factor. You know, UFC is a global sport. MMA as a whole is a global sport. They needed a place... Where people could safely travel And where they were allowed to travel They literally book an island In Abu Dhabi And have been turning out fights ever since They've had six fight nights so far Two pay-per-views about to have a third pay-per-view It's crazy Right? Two pay-per-views Or just one 251 and, and now 253. 254 And 253 now 254 Yeah. Okay. So this will be their third one on Saturday Can't wait to preview that by the way Um, <laughs> So we never get to see Fight Island Which upsets me. Think about it. And if we ever did get to see anything like that, it would have been years down the line. Because the UFC's already been putting on fights in Abu Dhabi. They built a whole ass stadium just for when Habib fought Dustin Poirier there last year. So that's where they were going to keep going when they went over there to fight, obviously. But we never get to see Fight Island. And now it's there. And it's here to stay, as far as I'm concerned, with everything I've heard. Leads me into another point. And you've brought this up in a podcast. During that July time frame So from January to July When Fight Island was announced And they started putting on fights there The UFC had already Garnered more revenue off of merchandise sales Mm -hmm. Than the entirety of 2019 Fight Island being Halfway through 2020 Fight Island was the biggest factor Guilty I have a Fight Island shirt hanging in the closet I do as well Yes So All this revenue that they had never seen before Doesn't happen if 2020 isn't the way it is. Another point on top of that. Just lost it. Hold on. Give me a second. Give me a second. Oh, social media. If you listen to the Dana White Media Scrums, Scrims, Scrums? Scrums. Scrums. He talks about how their numbers are just insane off the charts all the time throughout this year. Um, we had Adesanya, Paulo Costa do 1.3 million pay-per-view buys. Or no, 700,000, 700, sorry. Mazudal and um, Usman, which was the very first pay-per-view of Fight Island, 1.3 million pay-per-view buys. Then they did another 1 million pay-per-view buy. I forget which card it was. Or that was Connor, so that was still when things were normal. But you see what I'm saying here. The Fight Island factor, that added on pay-per-view buys. I know Mazudal got added on late, and that uh, gave them more buys. But if it weren't for Fight Island, I doubt that does 1.3 million buys. And social media aspect—they've grown substantially. Dana has seen his following personally grow substantially. Yeah. Uh, of course, the knockout we saw—yeah,
0: most viral clip in UFC history.
1: Yeah, like—it's crazy how many views that thing has. Happened in 2020. Yeah. Does that well, think about it? This is a big stretch. So There's this is a based, lot of factors so, hold on, here.
0: so let me. Sorry, I don't want to cut here you off. Is your overarching point here that 2020 has been more won- of a win
1: than a loss for the UFC?
0: I completely agree with it. I don't. I don't even know if that's. Well, it is a hot take in the sense of, you know,
1: well, It's kind of feel- like it's
0: kind of like the glass half empty, glass half full thing. Because I was guilty of it when you first said that. I yep. went. Well, overall, no company is going to look at 2020 and go, "That was a great year for us." Look, yeah. They're all ultimately going to lose out. Because
1: of this virus, and what has Dana White said about the UFC? It's been a great year for them. Yeah,
0: and I I will agree with that, and I'll, I'll actually add to your your points you made there. The UFC in its pursuit to, for decades now, be legit to be with the hang with the big boys, you know, be in that same conversation of the major sports. You know, there's the big four we have in America. We have Baseball, basketball, football, hockey. Those are like the big four. And then soccer has been growing in America. Um, soccer and, and MMA are the most global. And then hockey obviously has a big reach in Canada. But let's just look at the UFC as a company, right? Because they, they are the premier organization for MMA. You've seen MLB, NFL, NFL. NHL, NBA, all struggle, shut down their season completely. And in college sports, you want to talk about March Madness, completely scrapped. They've all been compromised. They've all had to, you know, uh, do things a different way. MLB, 60-game season, kind of been producing mixed results. You've had a lot of cases it's like breakouts on teams and stuff like that. Every other sport has an asterisk next to so, it. But the UFC doesn't So what I was going to say is, the UFC's been working from behind to catch up with these sports, and it's the fastest growing sport we've ever seen yeah. in this media age where word travels much faster than it did when, you know, these sports that we just I just mentioned were starting out in the 1800s yeah. or 1900s, whatever. So this year I feel like has lessened that gap more than any other.
1: And in terms of growth, like you've mentioned, UFC was the first organization back to put on fights. So what does that mean? Well, when they're on TV, there's no other sports on. People that have never, ever watched one fight in their life turned it on. And maybe one out of every ten of those people said, oh, damn. This is pretty cool. There's a fan. And you keep growing with them. So they have built... Their fan base substantially, especially that whole period where it was only them before anything started back up, which was a long period of time. So, again, they're losing out on the live gate, right? That's the biggest thing. 110 plus million dollars. But when you can garner new fans to keep for years and years that are going to buy your pay-per-views in the future, buy your merchandise, it's setting them up. For an even more successful future, so take away your lost gate, everything else for the UFC in 2020 could not be any better, and the amount of fans that they've gained will be with them for years and years. And then you know what those people do? They tell their friends, then their friends tell their friends. That's just how it works, and that's why that's kind of my whole spiel. I really ranted on a lot of that. Oh, I, I like it. There. That that was good. But there's just so many different aspects where if you just look at it. I sounded like, uh, what is it, the guy on Joe Rogan's podcast? When you look into it. Oh, Eddie Bravo. Yes, shout out Eddie Bravo. But yeah, look at all these factors, and if you really weigh the W's and the L's, there's way more, in my opinion, for the UFC this year and what they've done. Uh, So yeah, there you. go.
0: I I, I really like that. You really laid it out there. You painted the picture, Ah, as I like to do. We're going to have to flip-flop the (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get into my first one here. Yeah. And since you went pretty big with yours, I'm going to go pretty controversial with mine. There is a big title fight this Saturday. I feel like it's only right that I bring up that title fight. How big it is, Habib versus Justin Gaethje. I'm not ready for it. The two best lightweights at this moment going head-to-head. Habib, let me start out by saying, I love Habib. I love his story. I love watching him fight. I love his demeanor. That man is truly a fighter at heart. He's, he's truly. Smashed. He, he's smashed. He's truly a great representative of the sport. Mm-hmm. With that being said, I'm just going to rip the band aid off. He is the most overrated UFC champion in history. Now, he may be the most dominant fighter. The UFC has ever seen, but his title reign is overrated, and here's why. Have you watched? You know, I love the hype videos that the UFC's been putting out for Habib versus Gaethje, but they keep hitting this one point. Whenever they they're talking about Habib showing his little things, his little statistics or whatever, they put the most dominant champion in UFC history, and I think that that is there needs to be a distinction made there.
1: Yeah, I have noticed that um, that's a bold, uh, the way they word it anyway.
0: Now, I get it. I've heard the other side be like you guys are looking too much into this. He's the most dominant fighter who just so happens to be champion in UFC history. But, I digress. Habib's title reign has been good but compared to the heights that people are saying, I still put him on my top ten of all time. I think he did just as much for his legacy when he was chasing the belt than after he earned it. Because he wins the belt in what is the weakest of these three fights against Al not say It's not his fault. Al was ranked ninth, I think, at, at the time. time. And, you know, there was so much that happened that week. It started out with him versus Tony to fight the, the cursed fight. Then it was him versus Max Holloway, who was the... Um, featherweight champion at the time. Max has a very brutal weight cut, I guess, or just didn't look right. Commission stopped him from cutting weight. Then they were trying to get him versus like Anthony Pettis, Paul Felder, but Paul Felder was apparently... Not ranked high enough. Yeah, which is weird. So it ends up being Ally Quina. And you see Habib probably have one of the weaker performances in his career. He didn't lose a round, but you didn't see him... He, I think he wanted to try to make a point that he yeah. could stand. Yeah. But by doing that, he almost like added to his detractors because it, it just wasn't the cleanest of performances for him. From when a guy you'd seen be so dominant, it just wasn't the best performance for him. It ended up being a pretty decent fight. I mean, not that Al ever had him really in danger or hurt It was just his toughness. And it was just... He should have handled Al even more so than he did considering... Timing of everything and whatnot. So he has the belt. Who's his first title defense? Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor is one of the all-time just figures of mixed martial arts. You have to put him up there. But he he shouldn't have been fighting for the belt. He hadn't fought in MMA in two years. Yeah. He won the lightweight belt in his first lightweight fight at UFC 205. Become champ champ. And then a year later he fights Connor McGregor or Floyd <laughs> Mayweather, yeah. excuse me, in boxing. And then a year later he's fighting for the belt again that he had been stripped of against Habib. No MMA fights in between. He shouldn't have that fight shouldn't have took place. Now Habib dominated it. Looked damn good in that fight. Connor might have won around. I don't even know if I agree with that, but apparently. Drop Connor on the feet and we're in the second Connor round. On the feet. And then, what's the most impressive of those three, in my opinion, is just how he handled uh, Dustin Poirier.
1: A clear-cut number one contender. However,
0: again, Dustin did have them have that moment where he was, if he had pulled guard, he he may have won the belt. He he had that in tight, that guillotine. So that's kind of my point here is that there's something to each of these fights. It's not just Habib beat, like, let's say Saturday he beats Gaethje very clean. That's why this point can be nullified, really. Because if he beats Gaethje, I'm not ready to say he's the most dominant because, again, you have guys like Anderson Silva and GSP who held the belt for 10-plus defenses who will say,
1: um, excuse me? Even Mighty Mouse. We're talking title oh, Yeah, Mighty Rain. Mouse, yeah.
0: Sorry, I don't want to over. that. dude him. never got
1: touched, it seems like. But
0: I, I would at least probably not bring this point up, but, you know, that fight hasn't happened yet, so we're just going to go with what we have. But let's say he does the same thing to Gaethje did to Poirier or Connor, or whatever. I mean, that would probably be more the biggest for him, and that may end up being his last title defense. I just... He may be the most dominant UFC fighter in history, but he is far from the most dominant champion in history.
1: I see your point. Even when I've, I've been seeing and be again, the most I, dominant champion, and again,
0: life. like it's it's kind of a null point because I love him. I I don't mind that he's getting all that love. It was just when I was making a list and I I, I was watching the hype video again for Kevin Gaethje, and I saw that and I went. Like the fact that I had to kind of double take on it and be like,
1: hmm. "Is he the kind of deal?" Because I was that?
0: like, "I mean, because his title reign, you know, he's had some injuries. He, then you have this corona. He's basically defended once a year. He's had two people, or excuse me, technically only one person has held a an interim belt while he's been champion, but." You know, he won the belt. Tony was the interim champ. Tony didn't get the – still hasn't gotten the chance to face him. It's – the lightweight division's been a bit of a mess, even though yeah. it's the best division in the whole sport. But he is dominant. It's just I don't think it's – and really, he's been a dominant champion. It's just it's such a limited What's sample size is? that yeah, I can't yeah. – like I think it's kind of dumb to say that he's the most dominant champion ever.
1: Yeah. I see where you're coming from. I don't think it's like too, like... When you first said it, I was like... I know. when wow. I could
0: tell. That's why I said it that well, way. Well, it's more
1: so like, I guess, the overrated champion part. But then as you go on to it more, it's more so this most dominant champion is what you are taking at here. So. Right.
0: Yeah. But I'm going to also do a second one here. That's
1: fine. You have more than me, so this will be better.
0: We saw a fight back at UFC 232. That was the one headlined by John Jones and Alexander Gustafson too. We saw Amanda Nunes go up and wait, and knock out Chris Cyborg in about forty seconds to become champ. Champ take Chris Cyborg's women's featherweight title from her
1: in her goat status.
0: But what most people may not realize is that Chris Cyborg was not the first UFC women's featherweight champion. It was a woman by the name of Jermaine Durandamy who I have said multiple times, I'm not a huge fan of, that title fight with Holly Holm to crown the inaugural champion is one of the my least favorite fights to watch. Just the punches after the bell. Or at, yeah, after the bell. Um, not really agreeing with the decision. The lack of points being taken. It's just so much. And then afterwards, she refuses to defend against Cyborg, who everybody knew was going to be next and just left a bad taste in my mouth. With that being said, my hot take is that if that fight had took place at that time or today, I think JDR beats Chris Cyborg.
1: Huh. Care to <laughs> enlighten me? <sighs> That's two I- in a row where you've given me white the face. I've I we go, need the video podcast. Yeah, because... Go big go big or go home for <laughs> hey. the hot
0: takes episode. Woo. I guess when you look at GDR's accomplishments as a kickbox as a Muay Thai yeah. kickboxing background, she is truly the elite of the elite for women striking. Right. And you see her you saw her, excuse me, give Amanda Nunes trouble. Yes, we did. Or at least make her uncomfortable on the feet. And that's why Amanda took it to the ground and ultimately dominated the fight. Chris Cyborg, I don't believe, would be as apt to do that. So it turns into a bit of a stand-up war. And now, sure, Cyborg has the power. And I'm not going to pretend like Cyborg doesn't have technique. That woman has dominated for two decades outside of that Amanda Nunez fight. But there's something about GDR's length or something about her accolades and the fact that she was able to at least trouble or make an Amanda Nunes uncomfortable—that tells me if they had actually fought, GGR might have knocked her out just like Amanda did.
1: Wow, wow! I could definitely see it being a very interesting fight, though. She's so good at managing that range and distance. Again, and, yeah, yeah, it, she's she's such get, a, it, uh, get, it gives not
0: it gives me no pleasure. I'm not a huge GDR fan. But, I'll call it how I see it, GDR has looked very impressive in a lot of her fights in the UFC. Damn. Cyborg has too, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Cyborg can inevitably go in there and knock her out in 40 seconds, but... I think that GDR is the more accomplished striker, so she's the better striker, the more technical striker, and when you... Cyborg's not gonna... I don't imagine take her to the ground and everything I feel like it's a stand up war and who's favored in that well GDR's the better striker sure Cyborg has a power advantage but We're talking not by much mm-hmm. GDR's knocked out men in the yeah. ring before so it's I, I feel like GDR would be a huge underdog but I think that she could shock the world
1: that's a very interesting... I didn't even think about like a, a fight yeah. to make my little hot take bullet point list over here. So that's interesting. I'm actually kind of glad you did a fight like that. Wow. Is that kind of it on there? On that one? I just... Yeah, I mean... I mean, I think you have it's have any... fascinating. Yeah, she I mean, is it's... a very technical striker. a, very it's a intelligent. Big, it's
0: a big what if. I just... Um... And remember, I said at that time, so that's like 2017, or today.
1: Wow. I think
0: I think, the, I, think, so G, I, think GD, I, I was about to say, I think GDR's only gotten better.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. I wasn't expecting that one at no. all. all. But right. I, I'll let you take it from there. Uh, I've also discussed this with you a little bit in the past. This is... Uh, might come off poor. I don't want it to be received poorly. The Reebok deal was a good thing, <laughs> bro. I literally have that on my list. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad that I know we've talked about it before. I don't. I guess Now, I don't know. okay. I want to talk about the, the negatives first. Let's see. Right. Let's clear the air. Sure. For individual fighters, probably not so much, right? Because if you don't know, back in the day the good old days yeah condom depot and <laughs> and venom
0: al's, and was it was it what was it al's there was some oh god now i just forget it i gotta
1: drive all the way to work <laughs> on a saturday
0: <laughs> he's like the prospector anyway i feel so stupid
1: Fighters used to be able to wear individual sponsors on their trunks and on their flag that they would bring with them to the octagon. And of course they're getting paid by every single one of these sponsors. But when the Reebok deal started with the UFC, they were no longer allowed to do this. Reebok was the sole provider of UFC gear, therefore your um, fight kit, as they call it, that you have to wear to the octagon, has the Reebok logo. And that's it, unless you're, uh, you know, a guy like Connor who has Monster on there. Cowboy's Throne has P3, Portable Protein Pack. If either one of you are looking for a podcast sponsor, we're listening. Um, But, you know, the big guys. We're taking offers. uh, Or Modelo for, like, Amanda Nunes and Stipe, you know. But you couldn't wear, I mean, we're talking guys. Guys and girls had, like, 20 different companies on their trunks. Oh, yeah. And they're making money from every single one of them on top of their money that they're going to get for their fight. But now they couldn't do that anymore, so it it sort of is a bad thing for individual fighters because they're they're losing out on money. Now, I don't know all the specifics about kind of what the Reebok deal um, entailed for certain athletes. Um, I'm sure some did get paid more, the bigger-name people, um, but I don't know specifics. But in general, for the average fighter in the UFC roster, they were basically losing out on money in terms of having sponsors on their shorts and all that stuff. Now, they can sell sponsors 100% outside of the Octagon to uh, promote them on social media and stuff, and a lot of fighters take advantage of this and make plenty of money from that. But I'm just saying, in the Octagon, this was a really big deal back in the day, and we don't see that anymore. But, where it is a good thing is for the overall um, health, I guess, of the UFC as an organization... Because what I see this as is the UFC being able to say, we made it. Um, And I'm saying that because Reebok, I'm assuming most of you that are listening know, is one of the biggest sports apparel brands in the world. You know, we've got the Nikes, the Under Adidas, Reebok. I mean, it's probably top five. We've got Pumas making a big run right now with athletes. And for the first time, the UFC had a brand like this want to provide them their gear and be the exclusive you know apparel partner of the UFC. And that's a huge deal because if you look at all these other sports, you know the, the NFL used to have Reebok, that's who made their uniforms. Then the NFL switched to Nike. Uh, the NBA used to have Adidas. Now the NBA has Nike. MLB now has Nike making their uniforms. So being able to have these huge organizations of sports apparel organizations, be your sole provider and have their logo with your UFC organization, that really is where I kind of say you know, the UFC made it when that deal happened. I think it was back in 2015 when it first started. Um, Now, that deal is coming to a close at the end of this year. 2021 starts Venom, which I'm actually very excited to see kind of how that works out. Venom is, you know, mixed martial arts. They've always been big (coughs) with mixed martial arts. That used to be one of the sponsors fighters would have on their trunks right. on top of all these other ones. Um, but the Reebok brand as a whole for the organization, not only did it kind of put them at the forefront with all the you know the NBA, the NFL, whatever else, the UFC is up there with them now, but I'm sure the organization got, got the bag for the Reebok to be able to say, hey, we're going to be your sole provider. You're going to wear our logo. Here's our money. I'm sure it was a lot of money. Again, I don't know all the specifics. and Again, fighters may have gotten paid from it, but not all of them, that's for sure. But overall, for the organization, and I'm going to pass this to Noah because he had it on his list, it was a win because they were able to be put up there in that upper echelon with all these other huge sports organizations.
0: So my point's a little different, but it's the same idea, that I, that there are benefits to the Reebok deal, I guess. Because, for those of you that maybe aren't as aware, um, the Reebok deal is a very maligned part of the UFC, and for good, I would say good reason. Um, it's really hurt fighter pay, and there was been a lot of mess ups on Reebok's part in their apparel. You know, you had you know because the, they'll sell fight kits on their store for you know you could buy someone's fight kit. Well, you had misspelled names, like Gibbler Melendez instead of Gilbert Melendez. You had Anderson Aldo instead of Anderson Silva or Jose Aldo. Just stuff that made it feel like Reebok really didn't care that much. Or knew the sport. Yeah. yeah. So that really does leave a bad taste in the mouth. And then there was the whole debacle. Um, I watched a couple videos on this by channels much bigger than ours, so if you know, you probably know them if you know us, like, I think MMA on Points talked about this, and um, I believe the Montage King is another one. There was a shirt made for Conor McGregor that had what they were putting on there was the whole country of Ireland, but it left off Northern Ireland, which apparently there's some (laughs) – I don't want to go into specifics because I don't remember exactly, but it basically caused like an – it was like an international crisis basically to not put that on there because it's just a you don't do that so needless say there's been some big hiccups however I will say now that we have them these fight kits and what they wear they look very clean and so much so that at times it's kind of hard for me to go back and watch older fights where you have these guys with just like all these different ugly logos all over their shorts because I get it. Overall, like this is a selfish point, but it makes the sport feel more Legit. legitimate. Yeah, it feels more like a sport instead of like a sideshow.
1: I didn't even think about that part where you know you have teams wear uniforms, and that's right. how you know. Okay, this is you know the Giants. This is the Eagles. Yeah. You know, is wearing dark red for Poland, and um, Claude Jugadell is wearing yellow for Brazil. Like, you know yeah. what I'm saying? I didn't even think about that point, which does kind of put it with you know sports. A team yeah. versus a team, a fighter versus a fighter. How do you differentiate them, especially if you're a casual viewer? Oh, they're wearing red, this is her. She's wearing yellow, this is her. So I like that point.
0: I guess overall, what I hope Venom chooses to do is to allow these fighters to have more of a personality on their attire. Let Bryce Mitchell come out in camo. Let someone like Sean O'Malley do, like, if you wanted to do the tie dye. Yeah, yeah. tie dye thing. Um, I think that would add a lot to it without taking away from the, the sport, the uniform sense of style that they have there. But that's really my point. My point's smaller scale than yours, where it just. I think they're just cleaner to look at.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, I just. I don't. The, the the condom depot and all that like it's fun it's a fun part of the history but again it was a it was a time period where they were fighting so hard to become legitimized and recognized as a sport that in a way it's uh it's easy to see kind of now that they seem to have made it to that level in some ways when you look back it's kind of like yeah I can kind of see why people might have watched this and been like, this is a sport. Simply by looking at what they were wearing, it yeah. just—it just didn't look right. Mm-hmm. Dana said like they looked like they were NASCAR drivers.
1: Yeah, but that's very interesting. And I think it's even NASCAR. worse than like when you look at
0: NASCARs. Cause, <laughs> NASCARs, um, because it, I don't know, it just—it doesn't look right to me. Maybe that's because since I've been watching, the Reebok deal's been in place. But I wish that there would be a better structure in place for fighters to get the pay they deserve. I, like, I do definitely wish that that was the case. Um, it's is definitely a selfish point. But I, thought it, I think it's good that you brought it up because I do think there are positives to the Reebok deal, mm-hmm. especially where it's, again, long-term thinking. Reebok deal overall is kind of a mess. What's the positives being the thing that are going to probably carry the most over? Yes, the Reeboks of the negative or the negatives of the Reebok deal are going to stay with Reebok because now they're not together. But now that the UFC moving to Venom. They could take some of those positives, implement them to the Venom's apparel, and Venom can add to and hopefully they'll have a very seamless and good deal for fighters, mm-hmm. for fans, for the promotion, everything. Yeah. Capiche. Capiche. Okay.
1: Another one of mine. It's here. You've done a deep sigh every point that you've done today. Well,
0: this one's probably not as, uh, this one I feel like you're going to agree with. By the end of, and actually you kind of said this in a way, like I don't think this is what you were thinking, but you kind of said it, or like part of my argument for it, by the end of the 2020s, so 2029, 2030. okay. okay. The UFC will be held in the same breath as the MLB, the NBA, the NFL, and the NHL. And I will go as far to say it will be whatever measure you want to put it up against a bigger sport in this country
1: than the NHL. Wow. Like, listen, you've already said this. And I actually have
0: a second point. Oh, sorry. No, I I took a long pause, but... 20 years from now? 2040. The UFC will be a bigger sport in America than the MLB. Than baseball. America's pastime. And I actually have some reason to believe this. Not just intuition, not just bias, whatever. I love baseball. Baseball was the first sport I ever played. Mm -hmm. Played it for nine years, I guess, from four to thirteen or something like that. The Reds are one of my favorite sports teams. However, as all sports have embraced the modern technology age, and they have focused on making their product more accessible to younger fans, trying to get people into the sport early, baseball has failed to do that. You ever realize how hard it is to like really watch? Not some people, you know. I, I, you might even agree with this. Some people don't like watching baseball games on TV. That's fine, I get it. But I just mean accessible. You have the NFL Sunday Ticket. Yeah. And not even just that. You go to any bar or restaurant, you know, restaurant bar on a Sunday you are going to have five, six... Yeah, seven, NFL Red Zone's big. M- NBA, very similar structure. Yep. You go to B-Dubs, you're going to have all these games on. MLB doesn't have that. If anything, they have almost, like, fought to keep their sport more secluded.
1: Do you think that's part of just keeping that, you know, America's pastime uh, with the sport? Um, I don't... I don't want to say, like, the old-fashioned, but, like, you know, baseball out of all sports feels the most, like, old-fashioned. Yeah,
0: kind of like. I I see what you're saying. I don't know, though, if it were, like, because to me I'd be like, well, what takes away from it being, like, in my eyes, baseball's probably lost its place as America's pastime for.
1: I feel like football is. I was
0: going to say for 25 years now, or maybe 20 years, I feel like NFL is definitely America's pastime just football in general. But I get what you're saying. I guess uh I don't know man. I I also look at what the MLB they have you know, you have these personalities that these players will show, the bat flips, mm-hmm. pitchers like Trevor Bauer for the Reds going nuts doing the McGregor walk after mm-hmm. a strikeout. And these guys get fined. They get beamed by the opposing pitcher, and the opposing pitcher, it's just like, oh, okay, it's fine. It's like the MLB is working actively against showcasing the personality of their players, which makes kids less invested, which means the future generation is not going to be as invested in baseball. Just like our generation is less invested in baseball as our parents' generation, mm -hmm. and so on. And if you go back, it's even more so.
1: I think the NBA has done a really good job of, like, Having personalities in yeah. the sport?
0: I would say the t- when I first started watching sports, which was probably on a regular basis, probably like 2006, 2007, something like that, I would have said NFL's the biggest. Might have been. And then baseball and then basketball. By this point today, I will confidently say the NBA is bigger than the MLB. Their social media They're, outreach is the best of any yeah, sport. Yeah, yeah, and that's again embracing that. What do you see on Twitter or Instagram about the MLB? On Facebook about the MLB? It's very limited. It's and like even writers. other media
1: outlets, you know, like Bleacher Report and you know all these other. It's,
0: it's very frustrating as someone who grew up a baseball fan. And uh, don't get me wrong, I'm a big, I'm a big football and basketball fan. But what I see for the UFC just kind of all brings it back to this is about ultimately the UFC. They are on ESPN They're, I think you're going to see, actually, I'll I'll hold off on that point, but they're on ESPN, so they're very accessible. Sure. You have to do ESPN plus for a lot of their cards and pay-per-views, but it's only five bucks a month. That's pretty accessible. I would say compared to a lot of streaming services. Along with that, the UFC has done a great job globalizing itself, but also staying strong to the United States, staying faithful to the United States. So I think that they are in a good spot. You have mentioned how their social media has never been bigger.
1: Can I give a little fun fact here? Yeah. I just did some digging. UFC, we're recording this on Tuesday, October 20th. You're hearing this on Wednesday, October 21st, or later, obviously. But as of the time we're recording this, the UFC, I'm just using Instagram as an example. I could go into all the social medias, but Instagram is probably the biggest. Instagram's probably bigger than Twitter, don't you think? Eh. It depends on how you look at it, I guess. Yeah. Twitter's big because a lot of people get their news from Twitter. But Instagram as a whole, everybody seems to love Instagram. UFC has 22.9 million followers, all right? NHL, 4.4 million. So five times more followers than the NHL. Right. Hold on. MLB, 6.7 million. So almost four times as many followers as the MLB. Did I say MLB? NHL, you said NHL. MLB. Yeah, okay. you said NHL, MLB. NFL, 18.9 million followers. The UFC has 4 million more followers than the National <laughs> Football League. And then the NBA, as we mentioned, the best social media there is in terms of these major sports organizations are at 51 million. So they're light years ahead of everyone. The UFC's bigger than the other three biggest sports organizations in America on Instagram. Think about it. I think
0: I just proved my point.
1: I did not know that they had more than the NFL until just now. <laughs> until just now. In my mind... That.
0: I didn't know they had more than any of those. I still would have stuck by my point, but now it's even more so. I know it's just... Oh, it's just social media.
1: That social me- you, that is the day and age is, is we live in. Exactly. Like, social media is it. Yeah. If you're making it on social media, you're making it as a brand. You're making it as an organization. You're social making it as a company. Hot
0: take for just media. Social media is more important than watching your than being on TV. Yeah, or being on. radio If you're on a
1: viral tweet, that's bigger than be <laughs> having an interview on the local news station. Exactly. You know what I'm saying?
0: Well, yeah, that was overall my point. I think that the UFC by 2040 will
1: be one of the top three sports in the entire country. I mean, if we're talking globalization. No,
0: in the country.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm just saying to add on to that. In terms of global, it's the NBA and it's the UFC. And well, soccer. Soccer's huge, yeah. Soccer's hard, though, because there's so many. There's not. Yeah, there's the MLS, but then there's like. Yeah, there's. Soccer's hard. Yeah, I, I know. But yes, soccer, of course, if you're looking at all the organizations, is, of course, massive on a global scale. But in terms of, like, two organizations from the United States that are global, NBA, UFC.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, we've seen the NFL. They want to get a team in the United Kingdom. They want to have games in Mexico. They want to, you know what I'm saying? So they're they're even trying. But it's so much harder. Especially when, like, American football is not played around the world. Mixed martial arts is everywhere. It wasn't founded in the United States. You know what I'm saying? NBA is played everywhere. Basketball, I, I didn't mean to say NBA, but basketball, it's in the Olympics. You know what else is in the Olympics? Wrestling, boxing. What does that fall under? Mixed martial arts.
0: Well, you know what's funny is that could be another, I don't think it's a hot take, but... I think also by 2040, you will see MMA in the
1: Olympics. It just MMA like a fight? Yeah. That's interesting. Because
0: boxing already is. Yeah. That's might, interesting. Yeah. I mean, I guess that could be
1: a hot take, but I feel like that's... Well, I mean, they've looked at doing baseball in the Olympics. So I, I mean, if you really want to start out.
0: just kind of spit-firing here, because <laughs> I think we kind of get got through all the stuff we wrote down before. Did you have another one? I have
1: one more. Okay.
0: I'll just but go ahead this is another one where it's like 10 years from now or 20 years from now no disrespect to all my boxing fans out there I I share the love of the history of boxing with you can't say that I love it too much today and that's why my point is going to be this how do I want to word this because I didn't write this down beforehand
1: be careful where you're going here.
0: I'm trying to... I want to make sure I word this right. Because I don't want to mess up here. Or I could just go for the jugular.
1: Oh. Is there a middle ground?
0: By 2040, boxing is dead.
1: Some would say it's already dead.
0: Well, so boxing being dead, what's that mean? I think that the politics involved with boxing, the structure of boxing is such a mess. It's so hard to follow. That it is, you've already seen it start to fold in on itself. And sure, there's still huge stars, huge fights. Mayweather, obviously with Floyd Mayweather, him versus Pacquiao, him versus McGregor. Even the... Uh, you know Tyson Fury versus. Um, well,
1: I feel like heavyweight boxing is what carries boxing. Yeah,
0: Fury versus Wilder, like those two fights did big
1: numbers. I will say, and I watched uh, when
0: Anthony Joshua yeah.
1: eventually ends up
0: fighting Tyson Fury. If that happens, like that'll probably be huge. I'm just saying that there's a lot of elements, like what I just said, the politics side, the fact that it's so there's so much greed in that sport. As Dana has mentioned multiple times how he was trying to get into boxing with Zufa Boxing. And uh, he was like, yeah, I'm kind of glad I didn't because it's a mess. He doesn't think it can be fixed. And I think it's just as the UFC gains popularity, we can pretend all we want. Like, yes, it, they're different sports. But ultimately, a casual fan looks at them very much the same. And what do you MMA mean? already offers a more diverse product. Yeah. You have different ways you can strike, you can take people down, you can submit people, you can clinch with people. The fists are not nearly as covered as they are in boxing. But I think that the the actual star power is going to shift way more. It, it probably already has, but I'm trying to... I feel like I might be leaning too much into a bias there, because... I kind of live in an MMA bubble, so I don't want to stretch it too thin there, but I, I do think by the next 20 years, boxing is going to be oh, just struggling. Struggling.
1: I will say, I did watch the um, the big hype fight, um, Lomachenko and Lopez. Yeah. I watched that Saturday night after UFC Fight Island 6, and yeah, man, like uh, – we saw, you know, an Olympic boxer, two-time medalist, lose to a 23-year-old. You know, no one thought Lopez was going to win, and he got the decision. But I'm sitting there watching, and it's just like, how many damn belts are there? Like Lomachenko had like five belts. Well, there's and like Lopez had one, and they're fighting for the undisputed lightweight title, which means the winner gets every belt. And I'm just like, huh? Well, there's like there's, like, there's five so or
0: six like main boxing commissions that have their champions that's yeah. why you'll see like a guy who's the undisputed champion have like six belts on him
1: yeah so even like from a casual standpoint what's going to be easier it's to follow it's hard to follow yeah that's man. a big
0: one and i would also even say that um, the weight classes yeah. there's too many of them <laughs> i see why people d- disagree with that but i, I maybe i'm I've never competed in a combat sport, so maybe I shouldn't give my opinion on this. But for the for the love of the episode, I'll just say it is is a, a division every four like every four pounds or every two pounds. Like if you're two pounds, if you're one hundred seventy two pounds versus one hundred seventy, what the fuck does it matter?
1: Well, like their lightweight division, that's what fight was Saturday. It was at one hundred thirty five pounds. I'm like, <clears throat> wait. <laughs> what's their yeah, the UFC
0: is actually the ones that changed up the names of divisions Okay, so boxing's is definitely ha- that's more of a weird thing about the UFC okay. that we just accept
1: because we've been watching it because I was like huh what's their 155 division you know what I mean well like... even
0: in MMA it's not completely consistent if you watch 1FC like it's like I believe 1FC's lightweight division is 165 pounds and their featherweight division is 155 because they had someone die cutting weight so they kind of basically cut that out of the sport. It's all about just,
1: like the governing bodies of these sports yeah. too plays a huge factor. There's just so many intangibles and factors boxing, MMA and just there's a lot. There's a lot.
0: I hope boxing doesn't like... Tank? Like, no, like I'm not I, I actually like boxing I, I think I like it more than you do
1: Yeah, I'm like you, as you casual t- as it gets for boxing I, I mean
0: I'm kind of ca- I I've done a lot of research on the history of it especially when I was younger I probably liked boxing as a kid more than MMA but I, I don't want to see it like I, I'm not rooting for it to die or fail I, I just I see it trending in that direction right I'm sure there will always be stars but it, I think you're going to see it regress to a level of like UFC in 2010 yeah still big but overtaken, overtaken. Overtaken. That's kind I, of the, the main point. Guys. I think MMA will, if it hasn't already... I oh, think it, it has.
1: I think it has.
0: I don't know if I can quite... Like, I, I'm perplexed. Because I feel like I hear more people talk about MMA. More people are engaged with MMA, watch MMA. However, the pay-per-view buys seem to tell me different. Because you got these big stars in boxing that do huge buys. More than the UFC is doing. But it's... I think if it hasn't overtaken it already, because I won't go that far, I'll say it will. Probably in the next 10 years, but by 2040, MMA is the biggest combat sport. And it should be. As much as boxing deserves its place and its history, but MMA is so much more diverse. It offers so many different styles. Like It should be the biggest combat sport, because it's ultimately to ultimately it's any any boxer that gets into a fight just no styles involved you're just in a fight with an MMA fighter probably gonna lose yeah because he's not gonna know how to defend takedowns he's not gonna know how to defend submissions maybe 8 times out of 10 and sure like he's gonna have an advantage on when it comes to actual boxing but that's it but if you're if you get taken down sweep the leg whatever throw sand in the face (laughs) yeah as Tony does um you're fucked probably you've seen it with James Tony against Randy Couture if Floyd Mayweather Floyd Mayweather will never be in an octagon against Conor McGregor cuz he knows he's going to get them hands yeah. and
1: feet. McG- and, and McGregor is someone who Elvis. is no
0: expert on the ground
1: would we'll probably submit him he he would look like a jiu-jitsu world champion against a boxer I'm just what I
0: mean? you know I, that's that's my point there I'm going to let you finish off this beautiful episode with your last point.
1: This one's not, I, okay. So the the actual bullet point I'm going to say here is probably not a hot take, but I want to kind of dig into it here. Having competition within with MMA is a is a good thing in terms of competition between organizations. Yeah. UFC, Bellator, obviously the two biggest ones that come to mind, right? And you're probably like, well. That's not a hot take. Like, competition is good, because you should thrive off of competition. Um, I want to go more into, like, for example, I think it's a good thing when we see things like Demetrius Johnson, Ben Askren, trade. Uh, uh, Or Michael Chandler leaves Bellator, goes to the UFC. Corey Anderson leaves UFC, goes to Bellator. Uh, UFC is known for bringing in talent, scouting talent. Now we see Bellator. We talk about this. Bellator's recently. had a big
0: reach in the United Kingdom, yeah. so
1: they've been taking over that area. Well, well, and the like, UFC's taken over like China. They just yanked Magomed Magomedov yeah. out from under the UFC. Essentially, you know the UFC wanted him. Yeah, you know. Um, so <laughs> there's there's a lot of moving pieces with this point right. here, and it might not be as hot as I think it is, but. Uh, When you look at the NBA, the NFL, you see trades. Big players go to this team, other players go to this team. Why don't we see, you know, uh, Demetrius Johnson goes to one, Ben Askren comes to the UFC, and you could argue, even though Ben Askren hasn't been that successful compared to Demetrius at one championship, Ben Askren has been bigger for the UFC than Demetrius has been for one championship. I mean, look what he did for Jorge Mazdao's career. And, um, you know, why don't we see, you know, a trade happen every so often like that was the first trade that I can recall
0: well the obvious answer is that these other sports it's under one organization right You're so talking like multiple yeah so like let's say companies. uh let's say an MMA like the PFL let's say they did like a team style that's been done before actually that might have been the World Series of Fighting which turned into PFL I don't Ooh, really showing that I don't know too much about that. But um, there have been attempts to do like a team style where it's like you have a five-person team, one guy fights a guy on another mm-hmm. team, so that team gets points if he wins. Like that, that's kind of a cool concept. Yeah. However, I think that's the obvious answer is that the UFC is the supreme right. orga- It's the organization. So why do we want to trade one of our guys to you? Well, right. no, no, not even that. The UFC is the same for MMA as the NFL is for football. But in the NFL, you have teams. So, you know, right now the Bengals, who I'm a fan of, John Ross just requested a trade. So they could trade John Ross to someone like the Patriots or whoever for a draft pick. Because those are two different teams exchanging talent that's going to be ultimately playing for that team there. In UFC, it's all individual. So you're not going to see, you don't have teams in UFC. It's not like you have, you know, one fight camp as a team and they're trading a guy to the other camp for someone. Like, I agree with what you're saying. Like, I would like to see it more between organizations. But that's the obvious answer is that it's a larger scale transaction than what you see in these other team sports. Mm -hmm. But I do like where your head's at as far as seeing more of that. And I would even go as far to say you might because, sure, Ben Askren went one and two in the promotion. They lost out on having Mighty Mouse, who's one of the most dominant fighters the UFC's ever had, holds the record for the most title defenses. But what ultimately matters, the bottom dollar. Ben Askren probably sold more pay-per-views, built more hype for cards than Mighty Mouse ever did. That's unfortunate, but it's the truth. hmm so I could see the UFC being like, well, yeah, he went one and two, but did pretty well money-wise. Why not do it again? Yeah. You know, you got a lot of these fighters in the PFL who are trying to get out of their contracts right now. Because they're not putting on fights. Kayla Harrison herself is yeah. involved in a lawsuit against the PFL because PFL's not holding fights to this day since the pandemic started, but they're still under contract, so she can't go fight anywhere else. Yeah. Even they just they had just signed Rory McDonald. And Rory is just stuck under this contract he signed right before the pandemic. He can't go fight anywhere else. Yeah. So if the UFC comes in and is like, Well, we'll trade you this woman and this Mm -hmm. guy for Kayla Harrison or for Rory McDonald, that would be cool to see. Because it can get those fighters who are looking for a chance to fight right now into yeah. the biggest promotion in the whole sport and for the PFL who I also am a fan of I like that they do things differently it's a tournament style mm-hmm. and I like that it can give them up-and-coming talent that
1: they can build on or maybe people that already have big names and yeah. now all of a sudden you're the PFL and you've got yeah you know, whoever yeah
0: and uh, I, I do think competition is ultimately good um I question if I if I want to go a little hot take on the other side. I don't know if it's good for the I don't know if it's good for the growth of the sport. I think it's good for someone who is already a fan because if you want if you're like us and you're wanting to watch these Bellator cards or these ONE FC cards or Ryzen or PFL but you go, "Well, I don't really know anybody on that card and like so I really want to dig in, because they're ultimately not at the UFC caliber. Well, if you had a second UFC that was had half of the champions the UFC has, half of the talent the UFC has, you would be like, well, i got to watch, because they're at the same caliber. Mm-hmm. However, for a casual fan who's coming into the sport, it could probably be pretty intimidating, just like boxing, yeah. where you go, okay, so the best lightweight is in... UFC, but the best heavyweight is in Bellator, and the best featherweight is in 1FC, the best women's strawweight is in PFL, so uh, there's a lot of time and money to spend yeah, yeah. to watch the best of the best, you know what I mean? I
1: like, like that counterpoint. I uh,
0: just, you know, I ultimately, as someone who's a diehard fan, I, I would love to see more competition. And I think I think we will. Um, I don't know if it'll be Bellator, But I do think that there will come a promotion, and it's kind of inevitable that somebody's going to do something different that's going to catch on, and they'll grow, and the UFC will have to adapt and grow with the times, but it's the nature of competition, so I I think it could be done. Um, I'd like to see it, but I don't know if it would be good if you had, like, four or five (laughs) promotions fighting to be the number one and they're all very close
1: well it's sort of like um, is the XFL starting good for the sport of football as a whole
0: yes but I don't think anybody's looking at the XFL as saying, the top
1: tier football players no or... I
0: think they're looking at it as a B as a B yeah. level Right. you know it's for people that are diehard football fans if you're someone who's a casual football fan, you're probably going to watch NFL or college football on Saturday.
1: Yeah, I think it really does just depend on the type of fan, because uh, if you're a football fan, the XFL is doing their dates where the NFL is not playing and the XFL is. So if you are if you love football, oh, sweet, the NFL season just ended, now you can go watch the XFL. So if you're like us, with the UFC, or MMA, I should say, I'll, uh... Bellator, Bellator 249 happened on Thursday and then Saturday night we got Korean yeah. Zombie and Ortega. Um so yeah,
0: that's the thing about combat sports is there's no off season. Yeah. There's no season. It's year round. Year 365, round, which I love. But it you know, it's 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 hard to compare. Yeah. Even though we've done that and I've done that a lot, it's right. inevitable cuz they're all sports, but it's hard to compare the success of doing one in football versus one in MMA because there's so many differences. But, yeah, I think it can be done, having more competition. I, I think there will be an organization that that will be on the come
1: up. And I wouldn't even
0: guess it would be Bellator.
1: Overall, just, like, keeping the sport of MMA fresh with new things or trades or free agent signings. Uh, Cross promotional fights, which we don't really ever see, but you get my gist here. Just little things that can keep it fresh when it seems to get stale. Not that it is stale, it's far from because there's so much shit going on, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. So, probably not the hottest of takes on the list, but I just wanted to kind of. I like like, being able to just kind of talk about it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But yeah, I think that's. uh, Your list is. Yeah. I mean, overall, I think that's the end of our hot takes episode.
1: And this could, by all means, come again in the future. Well,
0: I think that's why I'm stopping it now. Yeah. yeah. Because I, I really enjoyed what we did, like, yeah. the discussion we had. So I was kind of, like, thinking halfway through, like, okay, let's try not to, like, give every give right. everything right here. We could always come back to this topic later on down the line. Will I still stand by my Habib take? Find out on Saturday. <laughs> but that's the end of the Hot Takes episode. I hope you all enjoyed this.
1: Let us know... Your hot takes. I, this is like one where I'm really curious. Uh, let's utilize this whole voice <laughs> message system and everything. I'm going to have to post like a tutorial video on <laughs> our Instagram and Twitter. But I really want to know what you think of what we said. Do you agree, disagree? Are we stupid? Are we smart? And what do you all think? Like I'm genuinely intrigued to just yeah. kind of learn about the audience and what they think. So,
0: yeah. But, Dom, tell the people
1: where they can find you on social media. Twitter, Instagram at DCLE 14 podcast Twitter Instagram at B A J underscore MMA podcast beautiful yes
0: as for me if you go to my Twitter or Instagram at N.T. Baker underscore and go to my bio you'll be taken to our link tree mm. which provides you with links to a multitude of websites that we are on social medias you got the instagram you got the twitter if you want to listen to the podcast you got the youtube channel or anchor page spotify google apple podcast and if you want to be a little extra forgiving on an episode such as one that's a little extra special there's a link where you can become a supporter of the podcast any dollar amount helps it's ultimately going to improve the equipment we use possibly doing a video podcast down the line don't have to, but I just like to throw it out there in case anybody wants to. Again, you can find all that if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at nt baker underscore. And with that, oh, I forgot the
1: preview. Sorry, Friday.
0: Okay, I'm sorry.
1: Wait, come back.
0: Okay, don't, no, no, don't, don't leave you. This Friday.
1: Oh. I'm not ready.
0: Apparently I'm not either.
1: Yeah, you're not ready. <laughs> I
0: don't think they're ready. We are previewing UFC 254 in, on, around, fight island. <laughs> huh? I said in, but I realized I should have said on, and then I said on, and I was like, well... Might as well do another one. around. C- commit to the bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in... I- <laughs> God damn it. On Fight Island, headlined by the biggest lightweight title fight to make right now. Oh, yeah. Habib Nurmagomedov. Yes. The most dominant fighter in the UFC who happens to be a UFC champion. The Eagle. <laughs> Did you like my... <laughs> yeah. Going up against the obvious number one contender... Justin
1: Gaethje, the human highlight reel. He really is, though. Yeah, nine bonuses, seven fights.
0: That is more than one per fight.
1: Yes, <laughs> if my math is correct. Yes, <laughs> which sometimes it isn't. Yeah. Oh. Well,
0: then there's another. There's some other big fights on that card. Cobain. Oh, title eliminator. Who's next? Who's next for Israel Adesanya at middleweight? Well, Will some may say. Match? Some may say that's a steep task right now. Israel has looked incredible, untouchable. The person he took the belt from, Bobby Knuckles, Ooh. aka Robert the Reaper Whitaker. We love
1: Bobby Knuckles.
0: Going up against <laughs> a killer a guy, gorilla, a guy who's fought three different weight classes in the UFC, Jared the Killer Gorilla Cannoneer. Wowie! Fireworks! One
1: of four UFC fighters to win a fight in three different weight classes. Only four. Select group of people, and he's one of them. Deservedly so. Yes,
0: <laughs> but we'll break down that entire main card along with anything else that sticks out with us, and we'll give you, of course, the news for oh, the yeah.
1: for Fridays are always the big news yeah. episodes. So we got some, we got some things to talk about. Bring your popcorn, grab a beer when you get on to listen because Friday, yeah. it's gonna
0: be a <laughs> good. Yep, and Monday we will, of course, of course. Oh yeah recap all of UFC 254 I will hopefully be here for that (laughs) because I'm pretty sure last Friday I said I would be recapping and then things didn't happen that way but my sister only turns 21 once so (laughs) I should be fine but with that we're out and we're going to see y'all on